Well, hero, you've made it this far, so I'll offer you a deal. You can rule half the world with me! Okay, that sounds very interesting. What's the catch? Well, the catch is that future generations will forget how to build anything! Ha <laughs> ha! Joke's on you, Dragon Lord. Nobody just forgets how to build. It's just basic human instinct. Now sign me up for half of that kingdom. One hundred years later. Look, Miss Builder, I made a house! Pippa, that is not a house. That is a rock stacked on top of another rock. Oh, I think I know what a house is, Mrs. Builder. Why don't you come inside? We'll have some freshly baked bread with me and Rollo. I hope someone likes mud shaped like a baguette. Just eat around the gravel and you can't tell the difference. Ah, I swear to the goddess Rubus, I'm going to mine up a bunch of iron, build a time machine, go back in time, and punch a stupid hero in his face. This is RBG Backtrack, RB Gamer's official retro gaming podcast covering titles from the early days of PC gaming right up through the consoles of yesteryear. Join hosts Kelly Ryan, Matt Mason, and the estimable Mike Minky as they and their guests tell you what to borrow, what to buy, and what to relegate to that big backlog in the sky. Hello and welcome to RPG Backtrack, your regular deep dive into your favorite RPGs. We are a production of RPGamer.com, bringing you such fine podcasts like RPG Cast, your weekly RPG news show, and Q&A Quest, your weekly RPG feedback show. And with me is my lovely co-assistant, co-host, party member, Matt Mason. Woohoo! We're talking Dragon Quest. Of course I was going to be here. Not that I'm not always here from now on, but, you know. Whatever. Yeah, this one's special. Yeah, I knew that I would wouldn't have to twist your arm very hard for a Dragon Quest episode. Not at all. And then my sister from another podcast, Anna Marie Privetier. I am but a student of the Dragon Quest. And then my I don't have a clever nickname yet, uh, Robert Albright. Dragon Quest and I are longtime friends. Indeed. Well, it's a it's a series whose uh, I think thirtieth anniversary is coming up soon. 35 this year, I want to 35. say. 35. Oh, right. 35. Wow. It's, it's yeah, been a first long... one came out in Japan. Uh, what, was it 86? I guess it was 86. Yeah. And I have a story for the first one, but it won't be for this podcast. Yeah, well, we'll, <laughs> we'll get to that in a little bit. I think right now we're talking about alternate universe Dragon Quest, a.k.a. Dragon Quest Builders 1 and 2. The what-if universe. Y- yes. What if what what if the hero was a jerk and actually took the kingdom just like our little skit? What if we have someone else who's hosting this podcast? Um I don't know who else like Chris. Do we get to no. say hi to Mike Minky? Oh right, I sorry, I we had to we had to <laughs> replace Mike at the last minute, which is why and plus his name wasn't on the sheet, which is why it completely blanked. Uh RPG backtrack alumni Mike Mohiki. It, it's fine. I have long come to grips with the fact that I am e- 
easily replaceable and will be quickly forgotten. No, I'm, no, I'm we sorry, can't replace Mike. you. If we replace you, we have to find someone else to play all the bad games. Uh, thanks, Anna, so much. Does that mean you've got more Idea Factory that you want me to tackle? If I say yes, do you quit? I will use... You might strategic scheduling. <laughs> I will strategically schedule my Idea Factory sessions to avoid unnecessary and possibly life-shortening stress. <laughs> <laughs> to the yeah. point where I might decide, hmm, boy, that hemlock looks really tasty. <laughs> <laughs> that bad, huh? Well, at least as Frank long as you take it in Kelly, is better than Idea Factory Games. I oh, can agree yeah. with that. See, we all agree. That's on not that. exactly high praise. <laughs> Look, Kelly, all you have really to do low, is play through the builders one and two True. gracefully leaps over. Oh, Kelly, yes. all you have to do is play through the entirety of Record of Agarest War. No, thank you. Oh. <laughs> what? Why not? Yeah, Haven't um, my many stories impelled people to try it? Um, mm. Did, didn't you like write a review without even finishing it? Oh, I finished it. Oh, I thought you didn't. I thought you got it, like nearly oh, through no, it and just said, did. I give up. No, this was the one that I had to, uh, Mac had to ask the localizer to somehow get around a glitch that caused me to crash nine times in the same spot. And they got me past that glitch and then I was able to continue. And that was a, a good hundred hours in, so I could have written a review then, but no. I continued on to the fifth generation where it ended and I didn't get the special idea factory in because I hadn't met conditions A through G with subsections I through four through B all sp pertaining to exactly how you unlock the super special, nasty, super amazing extra content that prolongs the experience for all, for the joy of all. And, and I gave up after the first generation. <laughs> Did you at least I don't see even a hot think I got scene? that far. Say that again? Did you at least see a hot tub scene? Maybe. I honestly don't remember. He's purged the bad I'm memories. not given PTSD. Well, I'll tell you what, we, the, we can get rid of... The images were there, and yes, they were all that they are billed as, but you can find those images just with a Google search, and it did not erase the the many, many hours of, let's see, horror, pain, disgust, other assorted unpleasant emotions that balanced the experience out to... Still, I suppose, preferable to ingesting cyanide, but never having ingested cyanide, I can't really say. Maybe cyanide tastes really, really good, and your last moments on Earth are delicious right before you die. Well, um, I'll, t I'll tell you what. Let's, let's talk about a good game for once. That <laughs> way you can... You're taking a very deep, deep, dark turn here. <laughs> Yeah, one, one, maybe one of these days we'll have an Agarest War episode so that you can vent all of your frustration. And well, I mean, we already had a, an Idea Factory episode. No, we had an Agarest episode. Okay. Oh, yes, I heard it. We we got to have poor Alex on to talk about Agarest 2 because <clears throat> I was only masochistic enough to play through Agarest 0 on my own time. Uh, so I decorated my microphone stand for this episode and i have the cutest fuzziest blue slime on my microphone now darn i should have went and got my slime 
collections. You know what? Dragon Quest has a great it, it has a great mascot, doesn't it? Yes. 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 The best. The, uh, the mascot's so good that we kind of used a legally distinct version for our own album art. Yes, legally <laughs> distinct. We we have a very cute legally distinct slime emoticon on our Discord server. You, you can say a lot about Akira Toriyama, but he does damn distinct designs and dragon quest i think is helped by those oh i i love his monster designs his human designs not so much but that's his human being designs a... have gotten better though yeah it, it comes from being a long time dragon ball fan and being an artist myself when you ha- you when you know about same face syndrome you kind of can't unsee it <laughs> no that's true all the girls have the same eyes yeah and all the guys, unless they're bald, have the same hair. Well, I'll or tell you you're what, the what... Dragon Quest Eleven hero. That well, I'll t- bum. I'll tell you what. Why don't we take a break, play some awesome Dragon Quest music, and then we'll break down Dragon Quest Builders 1 and 2 so we can really get into the nitty-gritty of how awesome this uh, this little spinoff is. Oh, those are adorable. I know. I'm for, for the podcast listeners, Matt just shared a picture of his slime collection that he got in the mail today, and I am jelly. I'm totally jelly. It's a good one. All right, we'll be back in a few minutes. Welcome back to RPG Backtrack, where this episode, Slimecraft, we're breaking down Dragon Quest Builders 1 and 2. We're kind of going to be treating it like one gigantic game, since they're both pretty similar, and as far as I'm concerned, one is kind of a beta for two. I don't know if you guys agree with that or not. Uh, I can, uh, having at least touched both, I, I can completely agree, and, and my wife, who's played them far more extensively, definitely felt that like one was kind of the concept but two kind of gave it more life yeah so dragon quest builders one uh, released in north america on october 11th 2016 for the ps4 and vita but only digital for vita and then the switch port came out in 2018 and then dragon quest builders 2 came out three years later for ps4 and switch and then December 10th for the PC Steam version. And the Steam version has all the DLC included. So we've got a, a rip-roaring narrative for Dragon Quest Builders 1, right? Yes, actually. <laughs> it's I've always found it to be kind of an interesting story. So basically, it's a what-if story. Whereas, what if the hero um, actually took the Dragon Lord's deal and took over half the kingdom and half the kingdom went in ruin? So then the... Dragon Lord cursed the people, saying that they couldn't build and they would pretty much live like cavemen. Pretty much, yeah. Um, you start the game, the guy, uh, you're in a tomb. <laughs> you, you hear the goddess talking to you, like, wake up, wake up. And they make it very clear that you're not a hero. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's reinforced throughout the game as um, you don't get stronger, you don't get stat increases, you don't level up. Um, you do that by, you know, you, you can get Almost like Zelda, you can get more hearts um, for your character, but they don't get stronger. You have to craft better equipment, better armor, better weapons. That's how you'll end up doing better things by learning more recipes, getting things that'll restore your stamina more. Yeah, the, the town of, kind, uh, the town kind of has a level up mechanic, but it does. Yes, it's a little rudimentary. 
and it only goes up to slow. like level three pretty yeah. much in most of them there's not a lot of levels to go through yeah and it, it can also be a pretty short game too because there's only four chapters and most of, most of the chapters just kind of have a main story quest that kind of follows through the entire chapter and then <laughs> a problem the first game had was that once you're done with the chapter you go through a portal and you don't go back well, you oh, say okay. short. <laughs> you say short, but I know I spent at least 40 hours, and I, I didn't do too much side content. Looking it up over on a good old How Long to Beat, it does say 39 hours for the first one. It dragged. I, I felt like it dragged a lot. You had to get a ton of resources, and getting those resources was the problem. Yeah, the inventory in the first one really sucks because you only have so much inventory on your person and it fills up almost instantly because you know as you're digging through stuff you're you're picking up dirt blocks just like in minecraft and mm -hmm. then eventually blocks, you types of what pink pink leaves uh yeah. slob, slime globules uh little white flowers Mm -hmm. Broken, uh, broken bits of branches, uh, whatever. The, yeah, most enemies drop something unique, and I have. I've only made it to the first portal, but I can definitely confirm. What the crap? I've already, I'm already maxed out, and you're throwing new things at me that I can't pick up. How, how rude! <laughs> and on top of that, your weapons break, so you need to keep extra stuff. Or your weapons and tools break, so you need to keep extra stuff around at yeah, all times. I mean the weapons breaking kind of made sense in like the narrative of the world, but the tools breaking, whether it made sense or not, it was just obnoxious. And I, I mean, producer, uh, I will, I will I'm, give the I'm, mildest of praise for the weapons breaking by saying that it does take a little exertion to make it happen. They don't oh, just yeah. go, mm -hmm. go snap within a minute. And just kind of getting to the roots of this game, producer Noriyoshi Fujimoto said that he was really inspired by games like Minecraft and wanted to make a very accessible sandbox game, but also wanted to put in kind of objective and goals so that anybody that had played an RPG before can kind of get right into it and still get, get into the building aspect of it. And at the time, I appreciated that because I really didn't like sandbox games because there was not, kind of nothing to do in them but just run around and explore. Oh, same, same. I definitely uh, avoided. I, I taught subjects in school that people were like, oh, why don't you use Minecraft in your class or to teach that? And I was always like, eh, I don't really like Minecraft. <laughs> I, I, yeah. I played it for 5, 10, 15 minutes here and there, and it's like I, I would need to want to play that before I could take it and kind of figure out how to use it in my math class or how to use it in my science or engineering classes um, more than just what the kids already know. Well, and some of it too is, I think the aesthetic that, you know, where it's still sort of the pseudo 8-bit, 16-bit style, but doesn't have the, the super blocky characters, the characters are really well animated and whatnot, blends really well together and helps bring that immersion into the game. That, like Minecraft, I look at Minecraft, I'm just like, bleh. No, oh, I mean, yeah. it's, a, it's a beautiful NPCs game. Are great. Yeah, it, it's, mm -hmm. it's a beautiful game, that's for sure. Um, we were talking earlier about the item management, and you had also mentioned that, you know, everything resets every time you go through a chapter. Now, in every chapter, you eventually build a big treasure chest that you can send stuff to. 
um, or at least have a lot of storage in. But it, it take you have to do that in every chapter. You have to mm-hmm. build up to that in every chapter. So you know you spend ten hours in the grassland, which is the city of Cole that's in the original Dragon Warrior Dragon Quest game. Um, the walled city that's being protected in the game, the first game, it's the walled city being protected by the golem. Mm-hmm. And in, and, in this Matt, game, I, yes. in my experience thus far, yes, you have a chest, but you have to go physically and put things into it. You can't just send them from afar. You do. Oh no, no, you're right. Um, that that's one thing that they change in the second one. It, it's there, but I mean, what's even worse is even before that, you've got to have a bunch of little chests, and then you got to go put all those things in the little chest. So yeah, you're right. There there is a big chest you eventually get, but you have to go to it. You're right. Did you're not just big, beaming it there. Did the big chest even ha- have limited inventory too? It did. Yeah, I it felt did. like it did. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, there were chapters, and like I said, these chapters can take about. 10 hours a piece i'd say the last one was the shortest but this is about a 40 hour game um and you're 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 in each area for a good 10 hours and you know you build your city you customize it you're you're having fun doing all that and then there's a boss battle at the end and the boss battles are crappy in one way because they destroy your city mm-hmm. like it's not like you're going to go fight a boss the boss battle is hey here's come the the boss has come to you um, you know, the first one, the golem comes and tries to destroy your city and you got to have these special walls that you can stick up to shoot rocks back at him. And, you know, if you're not doing that, it hits that wall and man, you lose a huge chunk of your city and you're like, no, I spent nine hours on that city. And what's even worse. And I heard a lot of people complain about this in the first one is that a lot of people had no idea that your progress would start at the completely from scratch at the beginning of each chapter because they would spend hours in that first chapter just building thinking that it was going to be their base and then they'd beat the boss and be like wait and come out the portal on the other side and be like wait i gotta start all over this kind of sucks yeah it uh it, it it was jarring because i'd played the demo i downloaded this played the demo in japan and it gets you all the way up through the uh the first portal that mike was talking about and I mean, even that's beefy. You could play for a couple hours just to get to that first portal. The lands themselves are huge. Yeah, and they're it, ginormous. Yep, yeah, and part of it's randomly generated because you'll find caves in certain areas that won't be there on your next playthrough or certain caves are there somewhere else. Um, this one actually had a strategy guide for it. They had a physical strategy guide that I had for it. But even then, it was hard to find everything because there were randomly placed treasure chests and randomly placed caves with treasure chests. Um, But I remember the grassland, one of the cool features is there were these green dragons and you didn't have to defeat them, but you could, if you wanted Um, gave you barely nothing except for like materials to build a couch. Um, But also the first game had, um, what is it trying to think each chapter had not quests, but maybe like five goals that you could do and they all conveyed big bonuses when you finished the quest um because there was a sandbox mode in this after you beat the first grassland you could open up um gosh i can't remember the exact name of it i had to look it up it was terra incognita yes and that's where you could do true sandbox stuff but every chapter as you kept playing through the chapters it would unlock um even if you just beat the chapter it would unlock new stuff that you could use in terra incognita um 
But if you could beat the five challenges, that would be you'd get even more bonuses for the Terra Incognito mode. And in the PS4 and the Vita version, one of those bonuses was a time limit. Like if you did it within 20 days or 10 days. And those were so ridiculous to beat. <laughs> I never even came close to getting those ones. And that, um, because... they're, they're in the PS4 version as well. Yes, in the PS4 and the Vita had it. Yeah. Um, when they moved to the Switch, they changed the time limit one to something else. They kept the other four challenges the same. But, you know, realizing that that was what was keeping people a lot from uh, doing the 100% or unlocking something they really wanted in Terra Incognito they did change that requirement. The uh, challenge on each level switched to... Uh, well, um, I don't know if you noticed this uh, there, Platy, but um, each of the areas are actually modeled off of areas from the original Dragon Quest game. Oh, yeah. That first one was the city of Cole that was due south of the starting city in the first game, and it had the wall, and you're fighting the, uh, um, like the golem. That's right in from the first game. The second one was in the swamp, and I, oh, I don't want to say it's can't. Was that Cantlin? Um, that was the one where where I forget the name, but it's the one where you had to buy the magic keys. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and oh, you would, right. And then the third one was the I want to say the the desert. It was the third one was the desert. Yeah, and then of course the last one was um the because there was only four chapters, right? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yes, and then the last one was of course uh. The main the main castle from the first game. So I thought that was a really cool tie-in because also all those teleport points were different areas of those regions. Um, so I I thought it was just really well put together as far as trying to give you lore of what happened to the world of Dragon Quest One if the pr- protagonist from that game took this option. Because at the end of Dragon Quest One, if you took that option, it seemed like you were killed some games it was like an instant game over and some games i think it it would reset you to the start of the castle like i couldn't tell you for the life of me which ones were which i want to say the original at least on the nes like it just you were you were were dead game over they might and as in a lot of dragon quest resets um or remakes or ports and everything they always kind of usually make it a little bit easier every time you go along down the remake and port line. So, no. I, yeah, it probably reset you back to the beginning in the Game no. Boy Advance or something. Yeah. Now, one, one nice thing about the Switch version of Terra Incognita is that one had a had a bonus where you could get a um, Great Saber Cat Cub companion that could, you know, like, ran really fast and could jump really high and I think had a triple jump. And it also had the bonus of it could bounce on enemies, kind of like Mario, and when it would bounce on the enemies, it would uh, they would drop pixels. And you could take the pixels to bu- build um, a crafting station that was a, dra- a Dragon Quest One Famicom cart. And that crafting station lets you build um, tiles reminiscent of the original 8-bit game. I think that was only in the second one. No, that was, the, that was the Switch version of it the Switch version Switch. of Builders 1. All right. So, yeah, um, I, the first one, I, I don't know. Uh, you said you only got who who beat it here? I did. I did. You did. You did. I, I the first time on PS4, I only got into the desert and 
one of the annoying parts in the desert is you're doing a lot of rescue missions. It becomes a lot more, uh, and you have companions. In the desert, you're uh, starting as town with the, uh, what is it, the bullies, the mm-hmm. tough guys that are usually the armor ones, and they are just having a blast having you build a bathhouse for them. And they're all <laughs> laying around in the bathhouse like, oh, it's the end of the day. This really makes the muscles feel good. And at some point, they're they, they're all talking about their old boss, this woman who was hard as nails, but they loved her. And eventually, as you're, you know, after you've built up your town one level, you've rescued one guy, you've rescued another. They're like, we should really go rescue her. She's locked somewhere far away. And the desert that you have to go to get her is so canyoned. You're going up and down or... You could go up and over a lot of things in this game. Um, You could tunnel through some areas, but the canyons were just death traps, I felt. I think what I ended up doing for that mission is I packed a bunch of food and a bunch of blocks and a bed and a fireplace. And halfway through getting to her, I just built a room and passed out. Oh, yeah. (laughs) No, that that works in a lot of these because, yeah, you're gone for quite a while because the land is large. The land is huge. And I don't think there is a mini map, or is there a mini map or a map in the game at all? There there's is a mini map, but I can't remember if there's a bigger map. There's a map, but it's strange. If you get too far away from the base, you can't really re- return. It yeah. will only show you a certain part of the world, and if otherwise, it's just a generic arrow pointing and go go that way. For your goal yeah Correct. i mean yeah. getting around in the first dragon quest builders was painful because there were only a very small number of places you could teleport to and then if you wanted to teleport home you had to have chimera wings which meant you had to yes. farm chimeras for mm-hmm. chimera feathers and ch- chimeras in that first game were always a pain in the butt to find because they were always like on very high mountains and in very uh-huh. limited quantity and they could blast you off the mountain oh yeah they had fireball attacks so yeah you'd be like shimmying your way up the mountain and then oh hey there's one pow and next thing you know, you, you're 20 levels down. You'd hear the little magic cast whistle, like, do 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 do. Oh God, where's it coming from? Boom, and I'm dead. Yeah, magic yeah, I, was a little overtuned in the first game. Mm-hmm. I where I ended up giving up because I had it on the PS4, but this came out right after my son was born, um, maybe a few months later, and I had a hardest time actually sitting down and playing on the PS4 for probably the first two years of his life. He was a horrible sleeper, um, so bad sleep schedules and i just never had time to do that i was always in the chair with a uh, 3ds but i remember getting so frustrated because you had to take those tough guys with you to go rescue her the woman at one point and that's where i lost it because i wasn't strong enough i wasn't crafting enough um to get to her like directly through battle so i was like oh, i'll just go up and over the mountain and everything that usually works but those stupid tough guys following behind you, the AI, they didn't always hop along perfectly with you. That's what I felt the problem was. And I lost them and they had to be with me and I'd use a chimera wing. And if they weren't close enough, they wouldn't warp back with you. Then I had to go like search the map for where they were. I, I just kept losing them. And that that was that was a part where I was like, oh, I'm done with this for a while. I'll eventually get back to it and then never played it another day on my PS4. So- Beat it on the Vita years later, but. Yeah, and I actually had sort of a fairly similar thing where we picked up the first game on PS4 and I kind of tried to play it on PS4, but I was getting so frustrated because I didn't 
really grasp what I needed to do. And like, yeah, I, I just, I needed more direction than the game gave me to open. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it, it was great. I had the strategy guide, so it was kind of like, oh, cool. I can kind of go through. And you know, first of all, like I said, it had a general map on there, but, you know, some of this. And so I had the highlights and there were good things like um can't remember which world it was. It might have been the swamp world or it probably was the desert one. But one of the places you could warp to, there was a pyramid. Now, the pyramid had really hard people in it but if you could tunnel a certain place in the pyramid you could find shoes that you could drop from whatever height they were like feather shoes or something like that no matter how high you fell you wouldn't get hurt falling damage was so bad in the first game Uh. yes so yeah there were chapters and there were places to find feather shoes um i want to say in at least two or three of the chapters that you could negate that. But I mean, unless you really explored every nook and cranny or had the strategy guide and were like, or following something, you wouldn't necessarily know they were there because the lands again were just gigantic. And if you weren't turned the certain way, you'd miss stuff. If you went a different direction or something, I mean, it, I'm not saying it's Breath of the Wild big, but it's kind of <laughs> like that, that like you, you just had to look everywhere and there was just too much to look for. Well, and there was a lot of empty space, so yes, it that's... really disincentivized looking into every nook and cranny. Oh, yeah. Definitely. And like I, I sort of ended up doing something very similar to you where I I ended up complaining on the RPG cast that uh, I, I loved the concept of Dragon Quest Builders, but that I bounced terribly off the PS4 game. And so um, someone who listens to the show quite a bit, he sent me his Switch copy and he sent me uh, like a game FAQ strategy guide that was like, here's how you beat the game. And I'm like, this is cool. And I was like the exact amount of each thing that I need to farm and exactly when to farm it and then what to build with it. And then here's the next story beat and here's the next story beat. This is when you stop and farm Chimera Wings. All right, now you're going to keep going. And so that was great. That was the direction that I needed. And it, I enjoyed builders a lot more when I knew what I was doing. <laughs> like most things in life. Maybe, maybe I need to be paying attention to game facts as I play it. Yeah, I had to have my tablet open pretty much the entire time with that first game, just f- figuring out where to go and find things and how to do some of the puzzles and stuff like that. And luckily, it seemed like Squeenix kind of heard all of these complaints about the first game, because in the sequel, they addressed all of this. Definitely. Or at least very many. Um, pretty much, it. It's. The, I said before, the, the, the two games are like night and day. Yes. I mean, the first one is fun and it's passable, but then you play the second one and it's like, yeah, I never want to go back to the first one ever again. Dragon Quest Builders 2 is like they fixed everything that frustrated me or that I didn't like or that I felt wasn't flushed out enough about the first game. And they said that the reason why we even got the second game was because they had to cut so much from the first game that they wanted to implement some of the ideas. And fans just kind of fed them ideas and stuff. And yeah, they they took all that and they made a gem. Yeah, and I mean, I I think one of the sort of most... uh, obvious facets of that is you get introduced to farming at like 95% of the way through Dragon Quest Builders 1 and it is such a cool idea and yet they do nothing with it and Dragon Quest Builders 2 the first like actual world you go to outside of the the main hub island you are building a huge farm yeah that is the whole first 
I, I want to say they're like four or five chapters again, but that yeah, that whole first one is a whole farming chapter. Mm-hmm. And you and you even and another big difference is you actually can get um, some monsters to follow you as well, and they will do things. Oh, I love the monster catching aspect of this so much. And you can ride some of them. Oh yeah. My, um, my, my well, two personal favorites are riding golems because they mm-hmm. just destroy and then riding slimes. Yeah. The the <laughs> golems are pretty much the terraformers because they can just punch anything down to the ground, which I absolutely adore. And and of course my my favorites are the great saber cats because of course I love the great saber cats. Of course. <laughs> And yeah, just uh, I'm reading the list of all the stuff that they improved from the first game. Like your weapons and tools don't break. You Yay. have an you have an infinite inventory that is accessible on the field, which that alone just made it worth. If, so, if that's all that they would have fixed from the first game, then I would have been okay with that. I will say it's not infinite, but oh. it is so large that I it is. I think by the end of the game, I'm usually on like page six of seven pages but it is spectacularly huge in a way Mm -hmm. that unless you are like hoarding all sorts of things you will not run out of room and you're not really going to do a lot of hoarding anyway because if you put if you put stuff in chests then the npcs will like cook for you So it behooves you to have like a food chest and then an ore chest and stuff like that. So you're kind of filtering all that stuff into the chests anyway. Yeah. And like, before we get too far in here, I was going to say, before we get too far with Dragon Quest Builders 2, let's talk about the story for that one. Again, it's not a huge long. (laughs) Yeah, no. So. Like Dragon Quest Two, same thing. Dark Lord offer. I I forgot what the Dark Lord's name no, was. No, actually, actually, um, it, it the story is um that um, like a sequel. It's a sequel more to Dragon Quest uh, Two, where mm-hmm. you know the heroes defeated. I think it's Har- Hargon and Malroth and Mal- Malroth. Malroth, yeah, and they're trying to rebuild the world. And then mm-hmm. um, with that, you're like an apprentice builder who then gets kidnapped and you escape. You end up being able to uh, get your freedom. And so you start trying to, you know, and so you get to this world where building has been completely outlawed and it's against, you know, the laws. And, and you slowly convince everybody that building's good and, you know, over t- and you go through different areas where you help them sort of rebuild. And I mean, we're we're like completely 100% spoilers here, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. So of course. the way that it works is when you go to defeat Hargon and Malroth in Dragon Quest 2, when you get to Hargon's castle, there is an illusory world that's going on. And you have to break through that illusory world in order to progress through the castle and complete the game. That illusory world is where Dragon Quest Builders 2 takes place. Uh-huh. So, and yeah, you're always fighting the the cult, the children of Hargon. Yep. That's the uh, main protagonist that you're uh, antagonist you're battling against all the time. All the monsters are coming. Oh, the children of Hargon are sending this. Oh, the children of Hargon are sending that. You shouldn't have talked us into building again. We knew building was bad. They told us we can't do that. Yeah, and so the thing that makes sort of this illusory world work is that Hargon stored basically a sliver of his essence and magical power inside of it, 
I don't know, do we call that a Horgon or something? Horcrux, I'm sorry. Oh, right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> You'd cut out for a second, so I didn't hear what you said. Yeah. So, and and because he sort of socked part of his, a uh, small part of his power away, it also socked in a small piece of Malroth's power. Mm-hmm. And so that piece, that like sort of disassociated piece of Malroth ends up becoming your bud. Oh, Malroth yeah, early is a in the game. Malroth awesome. is a treasure in this game. I oh, love I love him, him so much. much. He he reminds me of Inuyasha and in that he's kind of he's kind of dumb but he's got a good heart and every time he tries to build something he just completely destroys it. And I I think the thing that like pulls the game for me like every time into like champion category is how at the end the you know Malroth has split into the good part of Malroth and like the evil bad Malroth of Doom that he originally was, and like good Malroth is like I have to make an herb to save my friend, and you're like yeah, cause sitting there cheering him on. It's like yeah, go little Malroth, go. It's so All throughout epic. the game, he's keep he keeps wanting to be a builder like you. He's like, well, I can be a builder too. And everything he tries to build at the crafting station always blows up on him. Mm-hmm. So yeah, at the very end, that is one of the good job, dude. You finally did it. So heartwarming. So there, there are chapters in this game. Again, kind of follow some of the stuff that uh, you're going. It's all island based. It's all taking place on different islands. Um, but there's a central hub in the in the game. You wash ashore with Malroth. And oh, my gosh, what's that girl's name? That, oh, I can't remember. Uh... Gosh, she takes she's such a big part of the main hub. And even the way she reacts to Malroth and names the kingdom after herself. Lulu? Yes. Because doesn't she want like the kingdom of Lulu or... Lulutopia yeah. or something like that. Lulutopia, yo, oh, gosh, yeah. You know, I, always... I will admit the the first time I ran, you know, saw her sort of acting that way on the island. I was like, oh, she's going to turn on you. She's going to turn on you. <laughs> <laughs> I was wrong, but I didn't say she she never did, but uh, she's a pain. She didn't get on my nerves though. Oh yeah, she's a. Uh, oh, I to me, she reminded me of Maribel from Dragon Quest Seven. Yes, <laughs> just a bossy little diva. Yes. That's why I love her. <laughs> Maribel. But the way she plays off oh, yeah. Malroth yes. is okay. pretty cool. Sorry, my mind went to eight, not seven. I was like, Maribel wasn't in that one. Oh, wait, no, wrong game, wrong game. Mm-hmm. I, I just remember Maribel finally leaving near the end and going, oh, no, I just spent 80 hours building you up. At least yeah, the 3DS version fixed that. Well, yeah, yeah I know. You, you get her back, well, eventually. Oh. But... In both versions, you get you do get her back. Oh, I, I, I ended up Three. getting to the... In the original PlayStation version, the one with the chasm, and I just could not defeat that boss. And that was when I put the game down. <laughs> I don't know. I've done seven multiple times on both versions, and I choose not to get her back. I, I choose <laughs> to uh, <laughs> I choose to build up somebody else. I'm like, you know, you don't have to have every class here. You know, that maybe that's fun, but it doesn't have to be that way. But yeah, Lulu is a part of the game. And so yeah, the gameplay mainly is... Kind of like the first one where you've got big chapter missions. 
Uh, but at least this time, y- there's always a central hub. There's a huge island. And after you go and spend 10, 15 hours at another island, like the first one is building up the uh, the farm and making a whole farming community and learning how to build a toilet and learning how to build more so everybody's not lined up for the same toilet. Uh-huh. Um, and, and I love the reasoning because the first thing you learn to cook there and the first thing you learn to grow is cabbage. Yeah. And at some point... <laughs> At some point, one of the NPC comes to you and you're like, listen, man, we're all eating a whole lot of cabbage. And, you know, when you eat a lot of vegetables, like a lot of cabbage, we need somewhere to put it. You know, (laughs) you know what I'm talking about? Oh, man, I'll bet bet that poor out health smells to high heaven. You know, I, I do have one question about the bathrooms, though, because you can make multi person bathrooms but like the best bathroom that you can make is a bunch of toilets but no dividers (laughs) hey nobody judges in dragon quest world okay but it's a unisex bathroom and i don't know that's uh, there's no shame there's no judging so the latrine is clearly the ideal solution everyone should just have a slit trench Or, you know, go the uh, India route and just have a pooping pit. That's better than going into a field. Yeah, yeah. Well, but you, but you need the pots so you can make the soil for the worm to go eat. Mm-hmm. Exactly. That's how you get the fertilizer. You make it with night soil, which is like <laughs> the best euphemism I've ever heard for poo. It <laughs> makes me wonder what it was. In, it makes me wonder what it was in Japanese original. Yeah. It might be night soil. Yeah. After all, how do you have all those rice farmers for so long? They had to fertilize with something. Yeah. Off topic, I'm I'm playing Sakuna Rice and Ruin, and yeah, you do you do the same thing. You have to go to the pooping pot to get the get the poop to make fertilizer in that game too. So I mean, that's what fertilizer really is. It's just po- it's uh, generally poo. Mulch is decayed leaves and grass and stuff. Mm-hmm. So no, there were more other work. there were more other improvements that we were going to talk about. Oh yeah! Oh, yeah. oh yes. Um, what else? The the block limit has been increased, uh, making the max the highest you can build sixty four, which is great. There's slopes. There's better water effects. Um, you now oh, the have water effects are beautiful. I love the water yes. effects. Um, this was just from the wiki, by the way. The weapons and hammers can now be assigned to separate buttons, which is a godsend. Mm-hmm. Um, you can dash. You've got the farming mechanic. Excuse me. You've got a glider now, so fall damage is pretty much just eliminated. You can just breath of the wild it all the way oh, through, the which is so nice. is so good. Um, you've got vehicles that you can build, which is really awesome. And I think there's one level where you're like doing a chase sequence with a boss fight. I thought that yes. was in the first game. It might have been. It, it, there is. The first game had, gosh, what was the name of that thing? It was so overpowered. Oh, the the ramming thing. Yeah. Yes. yes. <laughs> it was I, I in walked the, in uh, off um, my wife trying to do that, and she and it was causing her so much issue. She did finally get through it, but it took her a while to figure out how those controls for that worked. Yeah, I can't steer worth being, so that encounter was awful for me. It but I do like desert. that the buggy the buggy. End of the desert one. The buggy yeah, bug. The buggy buggy. Yeah, That's so it. the buggy buggy was so much easier to control in the second game. And it's adorable. It is so cute. I love the buggy buggy. Um, <laughs> a- another huge change 
fast travel. You can warp anywhere oh, on the island, no provided you've already been there. Farming stupid chimeras. Yeah, there's there's specific areas you can warp to, but you can travel to those specific areas from anywhere else on the island, which is definitely very helpful. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. once again, these islands are huge, especially the oh, main yeah. hub island. And then, um, the, um, then there's the yeah. random isles where you can yeah. go farming for like really rare materials and whatnot. Makes yeah. that well, easier. And not I, only were you farming for rare materials, but if you sort of tracked down one of everything that was on an island, you unlocked the sort of an infinite supply of really commonplace um, crafting mm-hmm. materials. So like Seated one of the, the first... Farm. Yeah, so one of the first uh, farming islands you go to unlocks um, infinite grass, and then the next one unlocks infinite wood. And just not having to farm those um, on a re- on the regular basis when you- either you're going to a new island or when you're building stuff on your home island is just, gosh, so much. Th- what an insightful quality of life change. Mm-hmm. It, it, I mean, it was a game changer. I felt like... I felt like I could build as much as I wanted and wasn't necessarily hamstrung. True, true. Um, another another improvement, not necessarily, not necessarily in the list, but the game kind of felt more like a town simulator than an RPG because you were attracting people to your town, and they kind of, you know, they kind of had a daily routine. Some people farmed, and some people cooked, and all all of that fun stuff. Well, and, and the funny thing is, is what I think I like best about the second game is how they punched up the RPG mechanics. Yeah, that too. <laughs> that too. I mean, yeah, it's got the RPG mechanics, but it felt like the people in the second one just had a life of their own. Oh, they they all had different demands too. They'd be like, "Okay, now I need my own room. I'm not sleeping mm. with all the other people in there." Mm-hmm. So you could. It, there were times where you had to make someone their own room, and they had little plaques that you could put on the wall so that you could assign a person to a specific room, and they'd be like, now, I need a bed that's at least this quality, and at least this, and at least that. Yeah, because I, I believe there were styles for different rooms, and you had to cater the room specifically to their style, or they wouldn't go in it, or they wouldn't live in it. Yeah, I've, I've, my, my wife, the first time she played it, because she, she played way more extensively than me for the second one. There was one room where she had to um, put it to a certain level for what they wanted. And she only had one item which gave her what she needed, which was slime stacks. So all you see like in this entire room was just from wall to wall slimes, stacks of slimes. Because <laughs> you had to have a certain quality level, too, to some of those rooms. Yeah. Right. And we forgot to mention that making the villagers happy gave you heart points, which I completely forgot what they were actually called, but they would form on the map in, in the form of little hearts. And that was kind of your currency for the, throughout the game. Yeah, it's, mm-hmm. it's the currency to buy new patterns, to unlock um, new ideas. Um, so, uh, so, yeah, and, or even just I to want to think some of the story things. beats... In some of the mission cities, I think some of the story beats, too, you had to get there. It was For like, well, the next story easily. beat will happen. Yeah. Once you hit a thousand heart points, you know, you'll get to the next story beat. The best was when you didn't go check the toilet for a long time mm-hmm. and you went over to the toilet and there was like a hundred hearts sitting there. Oh, yeah. You could, always, toils. <laughs> you could always depend on the toilet for having the hearts. And um, the kitchen. Yeah, the kitchen. Yes. 
Because one thing I loved was making just like a little community dining table. And I loved how everybody would just have dinner at the same time every night and sit around the table and chat. And it, they, the people felt real in this game. Yeah. And like you said, the automation of that was great, you know, because you could put just a bunch of ingredients in the kitchen area. Someone would come. And as long as you had like an oven or a stove or something, they'd come and they'd cook it. And if you put an empty plate on the tables at certain areas, they would just put their own food on the table and eat it. Mm-hmm. And it worked out great. So, I mean, it, it introduced that part of it, but then it also really quickly automated it if you did it right. Mm-hmm. Um, another thing the uh, random randomized islands were awesome for was um, farming animals because you could oh, recruit yes. different animals. Um, let's see, there was cows, there was chickens, cats and dogs. Oh, God, what else? Yes, sheep. Um, all, all of the farm animals dropped their own uh, their own materials, like milk and wool and stuff like that, which you used for crafting, which was really Getting awesome. sheep from the random islands was ridiculously challenging because when uh, sheep saw an enemy, they would panic, and they would run <laughs> in random directions, often right towards the enemy that was going to attack them. So it was like, all right, sheepy, time to time to tame you. You just ran right into a zombie that barfed on you and you died. Well, at least I got a pork chop. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> oh god. Yes, Far- that's right. You just made I'm me remember right. farming yes, meat. <laughs> I, I forgot about the farming meat aspect of the game because I was trying to breed all the cats because, of course, I had to have all the different cats. And the best way to farm meat was to fill an entire area with spikes. And then kind of put the camera in a certain position where it didn't think that you were in the room, but you were still looking at it, looking at the area with the spikes, if that makes any sense. And it caused the monsters to just ridiculously spawn and they would spawn on all of the spikes and then die and eat and drop meat. And there was a specific farming area I had where it, uh, the bunny horns would spawn (laughs) to drop meat. And I would just sit there at AFK at the farm that for hours to get enough meat to be able to feed my cats and dogs to be able to breed them to get the different uh, animal skins. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean, I like that there are some mandatory tasks that you can do on that central island. But like how deeply you want to invest in that central hub is entirely up to you. Mm-hmm. So like I'm, I'm binoculars. I I I didn't go quite as intensely as Kelly like I didn't breed my animals um but I did you know get together enough like um what was the barn for them and like the little areas for them to live in so like you know I I walked over to my farm area and I could get you know a couple of eggs and some milk and stuff like that i'm not sure how far my wife went with it um i I know she definitely did like a whole bunch of little buildings i I remember she got so frustrated one night i actually had to go online to read to find how to build one of the specific items one of the specific like parks that she needed because she just it's like i have everything i have everything but it's not doing it maybe you're missing something i'm not missing anything you know let me go check so i went and checked and it's like you need two planks on the ground <laughs> and there's no indication oh for the park yes yeah i'm like i know like, exactly what you're talking about yeah she had like everything except those two planks because there was no indication of in in you know the instruction you needed to build it that you needed two planks 
Yeah, um, that and that's definitely a criticism that I have about both Dragon Quest Builders one and particularly Dragon Quest Builders two, is like they they give you this option to make all sorts of rooms in Dragon Quest Builders two, but they don't really give you any sort of ideas about how you might knock them together. Uh-huh. So it's I I think there's still some rooms that I don't think are in any guides. I still don't think I've seen a 100% room guide for Dragon Quest Builders 2. Yeah, because we we forgot to mention that um, in Dragon Quest Builders 2, you get blueprints for the specialized rooms. Mm -hmm. I mean, you can build them by scratch if you want to, but if you have the nice thing about the blueprints is that you smack them down. And if you have the materials in the chest, then the, the people just build it for you. Well, and as you progress through the game, um, you unlock sort of two sort of ways to customize the rooms on your island. And so the idea is, is one, um, there's elements that are associated with all rooms. So like um, different types of wall, different types of furniture and different um, elements that you put inside a room all have a theme associated with them. And that can be like cool or cute or... Uh Um, natural yeah and then um once you get and then there's a quality that's associated with different types of building materials and the items you put inside of a room so once you get far enough into the game each person that lives on the central island starts to have real specific needs for what kind of room they want each person has a size that they want each person has a theme that they want and each person has a quality that they want and Going so you back have to- why my wife built a room with nothing but uh, slime stacks. Uh-huh. <laughs> was she looking for a cute room by any chance? I, th- I, I forget if it was cute. Um, I don't think it was the ki- the one who wanted sort of kitschy, I think was the term. Uh, but yeah, she, she needed a specific thing. And the only item she had was slime stacks. So she had wall to wall slime stacks in every available I, spot except for where the bed was. Yeah, I think I ended up making a room that was slime walls with slime stacks and a princess bed because that was the only way I could get a, a room together that satisfied the quality and theme requirements for somebody. But, uh, yeah, there were some times you just had to go crazy to do it all. Yeah, I think part of the reason why I felt like the building in this game was so fun was they made the building, uh, they gave you tools to make the building so much easier, like the wand that could just like make a whole bunch of walls in a row, and the, other, the swap wand that could take anything and uh, swap it out with anything so you didn't have, if like if you want a specific floor, you didn't have to manually dig out each part of the floor and then replace it it just swapped it for you well one of the items because as i said my my wife managed to unlock everything through the um island of awakening even the build noculars and one of the items actually allows you to copy something you may see on someone else's island as a blueprint and bring it back to your island for you to oh, build oh yeah See, mm-hmm. I didn't do a lot of the online in this one like I did the first one, so I didn't know that. Yeah, um, so we we sort of discovered a lot with the online uh, because of my son, because of my uh, eldest son, uh, incidentally named Matthew, um, because um, he he's he's um, autistic, not verbal, um, but he fell in love with the game. Now he he will come to my wife and I, you know, to try and get help when he's kind of stuck, but. There are times where we'll just he'll he'll wait. I mean, he sometimes up very early, and we'll and I'll wander out, and he's just 
going away. Like I've seen him try and repair one of the buildings on um, the first island that's you know you go to and you're supposed to destroy it to get some of the materials you'll need. No, he'll actually be trying to like put roofing tiles back on it, and he had and. Um, there's some pictures that uh, the group here has seen of him doing a what we'll consider a roller coaster of just tracks crisscrossing all over each other, and it's and it's just amazing to see because he he has such a logical mind, but do you see him try and be creative in this very logical environment that works with his the way his brain is set up, and it has been. Mm-hmm. It's been a really good outlet for him. He doesn't like the fighting so much, but even lately, we've began to see him kind of like stop bugging me and stabbing things with swords. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's so it has it has really been a good outlet for him, and I, I can't stress that enough how how much this game really means to my family just because of that. Now, did did he was he into Minecraft first, or did he just play this one because you guys played it? Um, he, we don't, we have nothing with Minecraft. We don't own okay. Minecraft. We never bought it. We have absolutely no, nothing from Minecraft at okay. all. So but, he just saw us, pl- saw my wife playing it kind of, and he was sort of into this mode of, you know, liking to just wander around, but he didn't, he didn't like fighting. So we're like, well, because, we, uh, that started with Trials of Mana is where he'd want to wander around, but he doesn't like fighting. Mm-hmm. So we were like, okay, we'll give him Dragon Quest Builders 2 because um, in Dragon Quest Builders 2, unlike the first one, you have a partner who goes around with you beating things up with giant weapons. Mm-hmm. And so he didn't have to fight things if he didn't want to. And um, and then over time, he, you know, watching my wife play, he started building. And, and they were sometimes really odd and unique stuff. And then it got progressively more and more involved with him trying to build things sometimes Mm -hmm. it's still really weird stuff but it's just so impressive and it has meant so much for him to have that outlet no that that's that's awesome because you know people talk about the bad that video games cause and it stress it stresses me out to no end so anytime someone can bring up the good video games can cause like you know that kind that level of creativity i am just all for that especially that level in a in a mind that doesn't bend its you know lend itself well to mm-hmm. being creative because my uh, my son his his mind is very very logical he he understands puzzles he understands locks he understands how to he'll he'll figure out the ways to get to the things he wants whether or not it's safe but um but he, he it's always super logically lined and this and it's just amazing it has been such a good outlet for him that's awesome he does get frustrated with it don't get especially when he like he's building something and he falls through a hole he's created and he's like how do i get up and eventually he figured out how to use ladders so uh going back to the um railroads you know sometimes to get to the railroads he started putting ladders up the sides of cliffs so he could get to them cool so I have a question. Does everybody have? Uh, maybe we should go uh, back to the first one too. Favorite or least favorite chapters for these games? Oh, Moonbrook. Um, truth be told, the first game, my favorite chapter was the last one because I I like that you had to purify the area before you could even do anything with it, and I thought that was a very unique mechanic that kind of flipped the whole game on its head. 
and, and yeah, the, both games were kind of like this, where each area was different enough that it didn't feel like you was just doing the same old, you know, song and dance every area. But I, I really liked that that part in the first game, and then I honestly can't remember. What, oh, the the kind of the end area in the second game where you was befriended by monsters and you built the spaceship. <laughs> my my wife really loves, cool. My, yeah. my wife loves that one. Um, for, for the first game, um, I think I barely got to the second island, then I had to stop. But uh, I definitely really enjoyed watching my wife go through that last area, or again had to purify. That was good. Um, the second game, um, I I re- barely played it. Um, just with everything going on, and then my son wanting to play it. Just you know, I I kind of stepped out. So. Um, my wife's favorite area matches yours, Kelly. She loves the befriending the monsters and building the spaceships. That's like her favorite area in the game. Mm-hmm. Um, my son's is Crumbledon. We don't know why, but he really loves Crumbledon. And like a lot of times, even if he'll leave the island, he will always go back to Crumbledon. Which one was Crumbledon? Uh, the one with the miners. Crumbledon. Oh, okay. oh yeah, Bye. the one. Love the, down. that one. You're building the bar, and then you're building the bigger thing with the bunny girls and the showcase, and the, oh, the that, that gigantic pool. Yes. Yeah. He. My. In fact, my son loves the the uh, third the gold bar so much. He actually tried to recreate it in Legos. <laughs> oh wow! Now, like it even had that little arch, you know, for the entryway. It was it was rather uh, impressive that he tried. Um, I, I'm not exactly a fan. With using my Legos like that, but, but not him building them, but some of the other stuff that has happened with them. But as but that was actually kind of impressive um, that he tried to build that. So that's cool. Yeah, that definitely was my favorite in the game. And yeah, Anna mentioned Moonbrook, and maybe I'll let her talk about that. But oh my god, when you had to escape from jail, I just thought that that area would never end. Oh god, I I forgot about that area. Yeah, I mean... Yeah, it's just like a little interlude where you're in a jail and it may take an hour or two. But my god, it took an hour or two and it was way too much. (laughs) I I did hate that part of the I'd get lost and be like, quick, get back to your cell. I'm like, I can't remember which freaking cell's mine. Oh god, you're you're bringing back a flood of memories because that was one where you had to I think you had to like leave a nudie magazine out to distract a guard <laughs> and then go over something and then under something and I kept getting tripped up like right where the where you had to go over something because I couldn't see the guard because of the camera. And oh, oh yeah, you're walking god. the plank just like perfectly around like shimmying up the wall and having to just make sure you were on that one block that could go Oh, it was a mess. And this was all over the course of like three in-game days or something to where you're scouting out all of this information so slowly. Oh, the the, the story dragged there. You're like, okay, I get it. We need to escape. Mm-hmm. Cool. Like, oh, I wait, wanna... it's time to go to work. Go I... farm your one thing and burn it down. I want to go build. Why are you yeah. making me I do mean, this? Out of all of the things that Dragon Quest Builders 2 did right compared to the first game... I still don't feel like they have nailed the pacing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because after that, yeah, then came that, Moonbrook, which the, took forever. The, 
uh, the island was such a cool idea, but yeah, it was super drawn out in a way that is not fun. And honestly, the way that I ended up short circuiting that section where you have to like skirt around the whole area and like make sure that none of the guards see you was to just cook all of my cabbage and farm up a whole bunch of blocks and then just build around the edges. <laughs> mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I loved Moonbrook. I thought it was such a cool idea where you have um, all of the you know NPCs building up this huge castle for you and like all the defenses that go with it. And there's all sorts of high places that you can get up to and use your cloak and like um, fly around like the zone into different areas and stuff. And I just... I really loved how like all of the cool things that happened in all of the other zones came together. And mm-hmm. also mm-hmm. mass farming marble with like your powered up hammer is really fun. Oh yes. <laughs> the, what really bugged me about that chapter is I felt it dragged and you lose Malroth for so long. Mm-hmm. And it's yeah. like, why are you doing this? Like, no, I wouldn't have made that choice. The game yeah, forces no, you to lock Malroth in jail. Um, so I actually replay Dragon Quest Builders 2 at the end of 2020. And like because I knew going into it that I was going to lose Malroth, I basically pre-prepped all of the stuff that happens between when you lose him and when you get him back. <laughs> nice. And so like I just ripped through that section knowing that I was not going to enjoy the gameplay without him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, he, he becomes such a great person that, you know, that loss has felt a great deal. Uh-huh. And especially since, you know, the whole part of that chapter is you're building up the castle, you're building up the castle, you're building up the castle. But like every so often there's waves of monsters. You're having a monster army attack. Oh, my God. I'm leaving those to the NPCs for the most part. That that monster ar- that monster army attack. I remember making like a whole maze of the fire blasters. And covering that with spikes and then having cannons on each end and just making a gauntlet. And it's like, survive this, jerks. (laughs) Oh, that reminds me in the first game, when you go to that, um, the pyramid that is like almost completely optional, I want to say. Maybe Mm. you do have to fight bosses. But there are two fire breathing demon statues in there that you can break down and take with you. And, like, you can use, I want to say, on the bosses or put them, like, any place you want to go. So you just carry these gigantic demon statues with you. And, like, oh, man, yep. I'm I did in that this area. Let me just plop them game. down. Let it just kill it for a while. <laughs> <laughs> You're making me also remember just how huge some of those internal areas were in the in the games, especially the second game. And I, I was the person that wanted to try to seek out, like, all the mini metals and all the different secrets and stuff. So... <laughs> Some of those caves got so twisty turvy, or uh-huh. you know, just twisty turning. And then there's a couple of them that were like, I, I want to say, were like giant towers that were like puzzle platforming towers that were kind of a pain to get through. Mm-hmm. Did you do so? Each of the story islands had was it ten specific areas that had little like a little grotto with a challenge in it? Yeah. Yeah, and I went through and I tried to do all of them because I wanted to 100% the game because I didn't want to put it down. And unfortunately, I don't think the game really keeps track of which grottos you've done already. So I had to sit there with a fact and like, okay, did I do this one already? It doesn't look like I did it. 
and some of them are really intuitive and some are really easy to find and some of them you've got to go like to the four corners to find and yeah your map you're turning the map and like oh i'm standing on this cliff but let me turn the camera so i can see what's below me on this cliff Mm-hmm. at the edge of the world yeah i i like the ones that are kind of intuitive like you see flowers in a pattern and you figure out oh i need to put a pink flower here oh congratulations you won the grotto yeah yeah there were some of them that were ridiculously that easy i think they yeah. all had a little hint to them and yeah some of them were ridiculously esoteric and some were like oh stem the flow of the water pick up block put block down oh god once again memories flooding back i remember one where you had to manipulate magnets to get something to move to the other side of oh. the little grotto. Yeah. Oh yes, I, I actually did that puzzle on one point to uh, for my son, and yeah, that I just think it was rather fun how you know they the puzzles in the first game were pretty generic, but they definitely stepped up the game. I'm 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 going to say this now. I really hope there's a third. Oh yeah. Now that may be a problem because the team that did that one has moved on i want to say the director of the first games has left yes you, mm-hmm. director or producer one of the two he he yeah, has one left. of the mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i mean there's always hope i mean these games were pretty successful they were hugely successful and very well loved and i i think the steam release was kind of a boon for the um second game too and that it kind of opened it up to you know the minecraft and terraria crowd oh i'm sure yeah, I mean, there's still stuff that gets created um, just going on the online stuff because, um, you know, there's there's been a couple of one of my favorite islands that uh, my son stumbled across or no, actually, my wife stumbled across this one. Just looking at the board had like different anime mechas built from them, like uh, one of them had built the Arcadia. Another <laughs> one had and, and the same guy had built on a different part of the island, had Mazinger and a Gundam somewhere else. It was really cool. Oh, and Galaxy, yeah, in the the Galaxy game, Express it, was there, too. Uh, in the second game, they really brought out the creativity and, you know, made tiles and stuff that looked more housey than in the first game. So people could just really build build, build their dream house, you know, like you, like you do in Minecraft. And I, I was just looking on a YouTube video and uh, found a cat cafe that somebody had built. And it's just a cute little cat cafe off off to the side. The inside looks like a cat cafe, and it has the um, pet house in it with cats. And I, I just, I love stuff like that. I love seeing a game like this and seeing what kind of stuff people come up with just using the tool set. Yeah, on my podcast, uh, Slime Time, we had um, YouTuber Ben XC on from Germany last mm-hmm. year. Uh, and he has, he's recreated. Uh, Legend of Zelda: Link to the Past. The entire. Oh, I remember map. that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I. And I, I think I watched... he's even done a lot of the insides of those. He's done a cathedral. It's incredible how long. Like, listen to him. He's like, ah, it took me like 50, 60 hours to do that cathedral, and I'm like, oh my god, like that's how <laughs> long I spent on the game total. <laughs> in Minecraft, er, er, not Minecraft, in Dragon Quest Builders One, I. You know, they had the little sections that you could share with people. So I made a huge room and I just made like a little chunk of the original Dragon Quest one map, that first town where you can see the castle on the other side of the river using the pixels that you get from the slime or not slime cats, the great saber cat cub. Mm-hmm. 
And that took me forever, you know, just doing like kind of a flat surface with a huge dark room so that you go into this room and it just looks like you're in the Dragon Quest map from the original game. And I can't imagine re-terraforming your entire island to just do Legend of Zelda, especially trying to get it block accurate. Oh, yeah. It's like looking at I've watched a couple of his videos and there it's like, oh, my gosh. And hearing him talk like, yeah, you know, I started it on Switch and put a hundred hours in. Then it came out on, you know, so I moved it all over, redid it again, a hundred hours on, you know, PC. And I was like, oh, I, mm-hmm. like it just blew me away, blew me away. And, and the worst part is that uh, I don't think on Steam this game is uh, mod capable either. So he had to do all that by hand. Mm hmm. Because that's the nice thing about <laughs> Minecraft and Terraria is that there's mods that let you build this stuff for you or kind of help ease ease the building a little bit. Not so much this. Um, t- t- out of curiosity, did anybody have any particular music tracks they liked from this game, or is it because it's you know the same Dragon Quest game song <laughs> that we've heard for the past twenty years, thirty years, give or take? Yeah, their spinoffs tend to reuse their music quite wholesale i've uh, seen when i was looking for the ost that there's no ost to be found and people have just made fan playlists of the original music that this game comes from or rather mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. original games that being said i like the title screen music or the menu music in the first game and I like the fact that when you actually get into a fight, the battle theme plays and, you know, it does the little motif at the end when it ends and then goes back into the uh, main music. Yes, yes. Yeah, you definitely know when you're near an encounter. Mm-hmm. And that that oh, oh, overworld music is just so relaxing. Always some good stuff. Yeah. Well, it sounds like we're say wrapping... You, say what you want about Koichi Sugiyama, but he can compose some very nice tunes. Oh, he's, he's or at a least great he com- used to be able to. <laughs> yeah, he, he's I don't a great. Know com- how many new ones he's made lately? He's a great composer. I just don't like it when he opens his mouth. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but we won't. We won't get into that. That's a whole other can nope. of worms. <laughs> Literal can. You, you can find out far more about that if you look elsewhere. <laughs> yeah, go- Google that yourself. I don't want to get into it, but great music. I um, I'll be happy when his son takes over his legacy, like he says he's going to. Oh, maybe we'll actually get all new tracks on a game for once. Well, well new, new Dragon Quest songs? Surely you jest. <laughs> um, it sounds like oh, we're wrapping things up. How long will it be before Dragon Quest Twelve happens? Well, they say that they're announcing something big for the 35th anniversary this year. So we'll see. Well, 11 followed surprisingly quickly on the heels of 10 by you know Dragon Quest standards of recent decades. Yeah, but ten was an MMO, so mm-hmm. you know, different beast. Mm-hmm. Well, if... true, it was still a numbered Dragon Quest game. Oh, I know, but it's a different development sort of cycle. So, so one one uh, thing I want to ask before we kind of put a bow on this and then talk about our favorite Dragon Quest memories after the break is one worth playing, or should you just skip right to two? Go to two. Go to two. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna be the dissension on here because I didn't play one for so long. I'll talk about it more after the break, but I think it's worth playing. But you better play it before you play two. Yeah, yeah. Once you play two, you can't go back. I, I think no. one. I think one has its merits, and I think it's a fun game on its own. But 
Yeah, if you play two first, you're not going to be able to. It, it's impossible. But, but, but luckily, you don't need to play one to play two. Yeah, so no. no they just want to jump into two. They can. They're yeah. not really going to be missing much story-wise or, or really anything story-wise. Because the two games really stand on their own. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're, yeah. All, they're paired with their source material. You know, Dragon Quest Builders 1 comes from... Dragon Quest One and Dragon Quest Builders Two comes. The story comes from Dragon Quest Two. So. But even then, Dragon Quest Two has story com- directly related to Dragon Quest One. Where in Dragon the Quest Builders, Builders don't, 2, yeah, yeah, it doesn't even bring up that story bit from Dragon Quest Two that was leaded from Dragon Quest One. It's just straight Correct. off of Two, and there's no further connection before that. Well, and I didn't even play Dragon Quest Two before I played Dragon Quest Builders Two, so. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, you you get little things more, but the context is not, you're not going to be having aha moments exactly. Mm -hmm. And just just talking about accessibility, so both of these games are on the PSN store, the eShop, and Steam. Um, The frustrating thing is that the PlayStation versions go on sale pretty much all the time for like 20 bucks, but the Switch versions are almost always full price, and I think this series is kind of better on Switch. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, the Switch version of Builders 2 came out mid-2018? Yeah, like I think two years later. Or mid-2019? Yeah, mid-2019. And I think the only... I think I have seen the game on sale twice Yeah, since then. Yeah, I actually own both the Switch and the PS4 version. What's funny is that I ended up with two copies of the PS4 version because my mother-in-law got it for me for my birthday twice. Or like two years in a row because she forgot. <laughs> so I, I I was trying to kind of pawn off the second copy of that to like other RP gamers. And they were like, no, I, I'd rather play the Switch version. And then, yeah, I ended up with my Switch version anyway. <laughs> but yeah, um, you know, t- don't if, if you're given a free copy of Builders 1, certainly don't pass it up. But if you really want the experience, I say go for two. I, I don't object to that at all. Uh, it, being a Dragon Quest fan, I play everything, so it's yeah. fine. But if you're gonna, if you're just looking for a building experience and are not concerned about doing all the building experiences, yeah, you definitely go to two, and you say with two. It, it's just, it's, it's so hard to, to say. Oh, you could skip one because one is a very, is a very good game. Two's just got more polish to it. Mm-hmm. But yeah. So we are going to take a short break with a musical interlude, and then we'll come back and talk about our favorite Dragon Quest Builder memories that we haven't gotten into yet. And then we'll put a bow on this. So stick around.
and welcome back to RPG Backtrack, where we are gonna, now going to talk about our favorite Dragon Quest builders' memories. Just where you were at in your life, you know, memories, what you were doing when you were playing the game, that sort of thing. I, I like getting into this because, to me, games are kind of a time castle, capsule for, you know, what you were doing. And I have a very associative memory, and I'm sure a lot of people have, have that, too. So, Anna, well, since you kind of got me into this series, what do you think? Where, where um, were you? I mean, I think sort of my strongest memory of Dragon Quest Builders is I don't play replay that many games. And so um, at the end of 2020, I ended up getting the review code for Trails of Cold Steel 4, which I had to play at an extremely rapid pace um, to make sure that I got it in in time for the embargo because it's a really long game. We only had a couple weeks uh, uh, lead time for it, and RP Gamer doesn't allow a, doesn't allow any reviews for games that haven't been finished. And so, having slammed through Cold Steel Four so hard, I was just feeling super burned out on RPGs. And so I was kind of sitting in front of my Switch the one night, going, "I don't really feel like playing an RPG, but I don't play anything but RPGs." All right, what appeals to me? You know what really appeals to me? Dragon Quest Builders 2. So I re-downloaded it, and I started playing it again, and I had so much fun. That was like my rekindling of RPG love at the end of 2020. And Which it was we a needed. nice way to, 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 to sort of end cap a crappy year. Yeah, what a, <laughs> what a good way to end cap a crappy year with an excellent game. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so, what about, fun game. Yeah. So, so what about you, Robert? You kind of went into the stuff with your son, but did, did, have you guys like made any specific memories in general, or had it just a fun day building? Um. Well, he he does a lot of it, but I actually have two. So, um, as I said, I haven't really played it much as some, but every now and then I I get tossed the controller and be like, here, do this, <laughs> do this for him. Mm -hmm. I need to do something. I need to go build in D and D. So, um. One of my favorite was I was down in the um, Crumble Dune or whatever you want to call it, down in one of the dungeons there, pseudo dungeons, and like walking past masks that are talking to you. And I walked past the forest mask and it says something different. It's like, you know about these masks? They like talk to you. They're kind of creepy. And she's like, did you smash the fourth one? What? <laughs> oh, it tells you to smash it. Really? Yeah, there's a hidden chest behind it. So I go smashing it and I'm like, huh, I'm going to take this mask with me. <laughs> <laughs> that that's my personal favorite. Um, the <laughs> other one though is uh, shortly after that because I was just smashing random things in that dungeon, taking them with me was um, the, the, that's the first time you run into portcullises. Um, and so I uh, took so I you know took the portcullis in, into the bag and carried it out. And then um, the next thing, like in a couple of days. My son had built some buildings and used the portcullises as doors. Because apparently he really liked the portcullises and used them for doors. And we, and we found that hilarious. We found that very amusing. But instead of all these normal doors, no, he used portcullises. I, I forgot. What are portcullises? Um, the iron bar things that raise up and down, usually with spiky ends that, you know, in front of castle gates. Oh, right, right, okay. Yeah, they, they I, look almost like jail cells, and they, they're they part of the drawbridge, usually. Okay, I had never heard that term before. I learned today. Yeah, so, so I had taken the portcullises with me, and he used them for 
not not like you know decoration or anything. No, he used them as the door. <laughs> well, I mean, it's a door. It is a door. <laughs> uh, um, so, what about you, Matt? Uh, so I am, you know, I, I wrote the whole Dragon Quest feature that we had a few months ago on the site. Um, I played literally every spinoff Dragon Quest has, and honestly, I bounced off the first one when it came out on PS4. I put maybe about 20 hours into it. Even I had played the demo in Japanese when that came out earlier in the year and loved it and was like, cool. But then my son was born, as I mentioned before, in 2016. And it was just almost impossible to do anything on PS4. So I want to say I got to chapter three in like maybe five or six massive, like five, six hour play sessions. Um, my wife would take the kids, go to the in-laws house for the day or something like that. And I'd be home quickly mow the yard. And then like, yes, I can sit down for five hours and play this. And that just, it didn't last that long um, over a month or two. And then I just set it aside and I kept thinking, I'll get back to it. I'll get back to it. And about a year later, um, a Dragon Quest fan who now works for Square Enix, uh, Samantha. She's all on Twitter. You might have seen a picture of her surrounded by about 200 slimes sitting on a couch. Um, she works for Square Enix now. She's one of their social media managers. But at the time, she had kind of got her start doing cosplay and Square Enix kind of hired her to do some cosplay events. And she did the builder at one point. And I guess she got some free codes because she put on Twitter one day like, hey, you know, uh, if you want to win a free copy of Dragon Quest Builders, post your favorite Dragon Quest memory um, here and I'll pick winners. She's like, be careful. There's a PS4 post and there's, I'm going to make a Vita post. Well, I was not careful. And I wrote how I got into Dragon Quest, which simply was my grandmother bought me a Nintendo Power subscription one year, kind of hit it for months and months and months and then gave it to me on Christmas. And so every time I think of Dragon Quest, I think of my grandmother who's passed on since then and didn't think anything of it. I just put it on Twitter, whatever. And then like a week later, I get a um, DM from Samantha. She's like, hey, congratulations. um, Really loved your story. That was pretty heartfelt here's your Vita code for Dragon Quest Builders. And I'm like, well, I don't have a Vita. (laughs) So I I was like, oh, maybe I should look into getting a Vita. So for like $80, I bought one off a kid down the road on Facebook Marketplace and proceeded to play Persona 4 and all the other fun things I could play on Vita. Downloaded Dragon Quest Builders 1. Again, just never got to it. But with Dragon Quest Builders 2 coming out in the summer of 19, I was like, okay, I can't let this go undone. So we go to North Carolina every summer for a few weeks. And I was like, okay, I'm going to do it. I'm going to play it up there. We'll see if I can actually get done. Well, turns out we drive up there and my parents ended up, they couldn't make it for like the very first week of the three weeks we were up there. My dad was having some medical problems and they came up like 10 days later. So Normally, we're up there with a bunch of family for three, four weeks in the summer, and it just turned out it was like my wife and I and two kids, and we're like, okay, it's just us. This is just like being at home, but somewhere else. And we'd take the kids and go outside all day, but, you know, eight o'clock at night, they were asleep, and it was, there's no family around. So I, like, plowed through this game in about 10 days, playing four to five hours a night, and just really loved it. And it was great because three weeks later, I'm getting the second one on my Switch. And no big story about that. Just, you know, sat down and played it for 70 hours. 
um, when it came out. And my kids were still a little bit young enough that they liked watching it and they liked running around battling stuff, but they didn't do any of the building stuff. But I want to get them back into that because um, they finally kind of got into Minecraft on the iPad. And my older son has now just in the past two months sunk in like 70 hours I'm starting to like, like, oh, geez, man, I need to start limiting his time on the Switch. I saw his playtime on uh, Pokemon Sword and Shield. He just is endlessly doing the DLC stuff, the Tundra over and over again, getting all the legendaries. But I'm like, you know what? He loves playing Minecraft when he's on the iPad. He can control the Switch just fine now that he's seven all the time. I'm like, I, I need to load that back up and let him do some stuff there. You know, you're making me, you made me remember that I never played the DLC because I just kind of don't dlc's not my thing so mm-hmm. i might need to pull an anna and do a re replay just to play through the dlc for the uh dragon quest builders yeah for two yeah i i didn't do that no my son's playing the dlc for pokemon sword huh. but I, that now that you mention it i'm like hmm maybe i should well, do some dlc for builders too <laughs> Yeah, the frustrating thing is that the same version has all the DLC for free. Yeah, yeah. Uh, even even the stuff that's exclusive to PS Plus? I'm not sure about that. It's just, I clicked on Steam and was curious. I was like, oh, I never downloaded these. Yeah, because there's a couple of tile sets that are only available through PS Plus on the PS4. Huh, I did not know that. Well, that being said, my <clears throat> so I have very, two very specific memories. Um, one of them I kind of brought up last last show when we were talking about Xenoblade Chronicles Two, because I finished Xenoblade Chronicles Two the night before this game came out. I think it was like on a Friday. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was, it was Switch. It was it was on a Friday. So th- Thursday night, I like kind of started getting a cold, and my throat was feeling scratchy. So I just kind of took the night off and spent all night trying to beat Xenoblade Chronicles Two. And then the next day, I the cold had kind of taken effect, so I was just miserable, and I ca- called in sick for work and just kind of went downstairs and s- started up Stardew Valley because uh, I was trying to kill time because I knew Builders Two was going to come in the. Er, Builders was going to come in the mail for the Switch. So I'm just sitting there, and my husband comes downstairs like, hey, you got mail. And I was like, yes, my game. And then popped it in, popped in the game. And that's pretty much all I did for the rest of the day, sick as a dog, playing that game. Which, you know, know, is really interesting. It's one of the few times I've actually got to enjoy a cold, if that makes any sense. Because my husband, (laughs) when he he gets sick, he he could just go play WoW or whatever just fine. And it's pretty much the only thing he can do. Me, I just go to sleep and die for two days. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, you know, I, I very rarely ever get to enjoy sick days, quote unquote. So... That was kind of fun. That was my Builders 1 story. And then my Builders 2 story is that we went to Japan last year. And I think that first week that I was there when we was in the hotel, that is all I freaking played was Dragon Quest Builders 2. And it was at that point that I had finished up all... Well, I was trying to find all of the shrines so that I could get all of the monster medals. And that was the pain, trying to look that up on my tablet on hotel Wi-Fi. <clears throat> and then 
I was like, man, I'm so not ready to be done with this game yet. So I spent like another two days, or, or like another couple of days, just terraforming with a golem, and then trying to build the ultimate <laughs> town. Because I, I just uh, something about the sim aspect of this game. It's like I really want to build like a super town. And it was at that point when I got the town done, and it's like there's literally nothing else I can do in this game right now. And then the rest of my trip, I think I played Final Fantasy VIII on the Switch because that remake had or that remaster had come out. And I just all I could think about is just being in in that hotel, a J Japanese hotel no less, just laying on the bed, chilling, playing Dra Dragon Quest in the land where Dragon Quest is a religion. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that, that first day I had bought a uh, treasure bag plush because we went to a Japanese department store and I was like, oh my god, they've got Dragon Quest plushes here. So I bought that and a whole bunch of other Dragon Quest stuff. Um, as, as a matter of fact, I went to, uh, when we was in Akihabara, there was a 7-Eleven that was decked out in Dragon Quest stuff because the Switch version of Eleven was coming out. Mm -hmm. So it's like yeah, you were there in September when everything released, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. So I I ran in there and there was Dragon Quest stuff in the back, and I gr grabbed a whole bunch of stuff. I had no idea what half of it was, and it spent like six thousand yen on it. And um, one of them was a cookie tin. One of them was a T-shirt, which uh was a size too small because, of course, the um, Japanese large is a lot different from the American large. So I've only been able to wear that shirt twice, and it's way too tight. And then I thought that I bought some figurines, but they turned out to be kitchen magnets for slimes. So my Ooh. kitchen, my uh, refrigerator has little slimes on it. That's like a good one. Yeah. And then I thought I bought what I thought was a blind bag that had a figurine, and it turned out to be a bath bomb, a slime-shaped bath bomb. <laughs> So I, I'm like, I, well, I guess I'm taking a bath tonight, and I, you know, threw the bath bomb in there, and when all of the little stuff dissolved, there was a little slime figurine in the center of it. Oh, nice. Aww. Yeah. I have no idea where that slime is, though, because my kitten Alice loves to knock stuff off my desk, and that was her favorite thing to knock off my desk. So uh, it is... Picture that yeah. with the size. Yeah, it is somewhere in this room. I hope I haven't vacuumed it up because it was a really cute little green slime. And yeah, it was just so cool playing that game in the land of Dragon Quest. I felt like I was in Dragon Quest heaven that week, or that two weeks. Nice, nice. No, I will say my, my two prized possessions from that trip is the giant uh, Dragon Quest slime that I bought that's about the size of a basketball. Give or take. Actually, no, mm -hmm. I take that back. It's probably about volleyball-sized. And then in a used shop, I found a metal slime plush that's huge. That I never know where to put because, you know, it's a metal slime, so it sets flat. So I can't really put it on any of my shelves, so I currently have it like kind of draped over the recliner in my gaming area for the time being. <laughs> You're making yeah, platy or liquid metal slime. I, I think Platy's uh, slime collection is probably more impressive than mine. 
Oh, I actually don't have very much. I've, I've got a uh, lot of little things. I bought uh, little crystal ones like 15 years ago. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're just, I think that was the collection they were called. I've got maybe a dozen little magnet ones. And I got another five or six of them last year. Um, but then, yeah, I just had uh, our very own man in Japan sent me a little care package. I messaged him before. I said, you know, is there like a dollar store equivalent in Japan? Because I want like dollar store level Dragon Quest stuff. <laughs> because <laughs> when my kids and I play board games, I love to pull out my slimes. And whatever board game we're playing, if I can replace my piece with little slimes, I always do. And so my kids are always annoyed by that. They're like, we wish we had slimes as our pieces, too. So I told them, I'm like, dude, I don't care how cheap it is, you know, and he found a bunch of little, uh, like two and three hundred dollar or three hundred two and three hundred yen little gotcha machines. So yeah, I just got a box in the mail today with about twenty or thirty little slimes and liquid metal slimes and just randomly whatever came out. And that's oh, fine because So your picture in Twitter is only like a fraction of what actually came. Oh no, that's it. Oh okay. But each one each one of those slime slime stack things are actually little slimes they all stack together even the ghost and the snail slime they have a hole in the bottom of them so they could just my kids were trying to stack them as high as they could for the picture but we (laughs) couldn't really get higher than three or four because i mean honestly they're a little bit bigger than the size of a marble and just you know (laughs) kind of cheap slippery plastic they're no like lego block they're not snapping together yeah see if you would have told me that these were like high quality figures i would have believed you because looking at the picture they actually look halfway decent for you know gotcha toys yeah i think each one of those was like two for 300 yen so like two for three bucks yeah yeah that that was the hardest thing about japan was like sitting there trying to do the conversion in my head and you know some things i'd be like oh that's expensive no wait it's actually very cheap and then other things i'd forget a zero somewhere like oh wait that's 200 bucks i probably shouldn't get that (laughs) <laughs> it's usually about a hundred to the dollar so yeah 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 that that's what i figured where where i really got killed was all of these service charges for using my credit card in a foreign country but i knew that was going to be mm-hmm. an issue and annoying but i i found that a lot more convenient than having to deal with all the cash oh you you should have talked to me my mom used to work for a travel agency so i she knows things yeah, I uh, in hindsight, I probably should have tried to, you know, get a foreign card or like a travel card or something, but or just the currency in general. And in yeah. some places, it's just better to have the currency. Yeah, I mean, we don't get me wrong; we had cash on us just in case, but most of the time, it was just easier just to pay with the card. Makes sense. Yeah, but um, yeah. So it sounds like a wrap on another excellent show. Um, thank well, you. Did Robert. we hear uh, from Mike when he played? Oh, right. My bad. I'm I'm so sorry. He's been so quiet. <laughs> I'm sorry, Mike. Now, I don't really have a story here. I when looking back as I was going to play Builders again over the weekend, trying to refresh my memory, I realized, oh, I last played it in July of 2019, and I don't remember a whole lot of what I was doing at that time. And playing it again over whatever that was, Saturday or Sunday. I kind of realized, oh, yeah, that's kind of why I didn't remember a whole lot, because Builders 1 wasn't catching me very well. I, maybe I'll try it again, and it'll catch me better, but it just did not lead to much in the way of interesting stories. 
so I played it. I, I broke up some dirt blocks. Uh, <laughs> I built a bed and a door. See, this is not the stuff of riveting podcast material that everyone will tune into. Yeah. <laughs> but I Castles, can, yes. I can say... I guess I'll just recite my sad, sad tale of playing Dragon Quest 1 and 2 back on the Game Boy Color with a cartridge that apparently had a faulty battery because oh. I was not able to save Dragon Quest 2. I was able to power through all of Dragon Quest 1 in a single sitting back on my Game Boy Advance. That would be holy cats about 19 years ago now. But, you know, Dragon Quest 2, that's really not a game you could power through in a single sitting, especially yeah. not the Game Boy Color rendition. So I, I have never finished Dragon Quest 2 yet. That'll happen. But the lesson is, boys and girls, make sure that if you are playing a Dragon Quest game, can save. That will be very, very helpful. I think that's pretty far-reaching and universal advice right there i was gonna say that's that's excellent advice for all us rp gamers out there because most of our games are not one sitting defeats nope especially when the game crashes right when you go to save uh, <laughs> Ooh, that's no yeah last night my suit right after my sui coden stream my it crashed that's interesting i've never heard of sui coden having that problem um I'll message you. <laughs> okay. We're extenuating circumstances. Ah, uh, technical difficulties are favorite. Yeah, I haven't had a te technical difficulty make me rage quit in a while, though when I was playing Monster Sanctuary recently, for some reason, I, because it doesn't have a conventional save, it's pretty much one of those save and quit kind of games, and I thought I did a save and quit, and for like the first two hours of the game and cut a whole bunch of really cool monsters and then didn't and had to start all over again. And I hate replaying the opening of games so much. And there's some games you really don't want to because they're just, they're very long and can be drawn out. Yeah. Mm -hmm. it's, it's, being very, it's very hard to nail the happy medium of here is your introduction versus... Here is your plotting introduction, which we laboriously explain everything that you will need to know, and we explain it again so that you will make sure you know it. It's, yeah, and that, and that's it's part of the nail. issue Sui Coden Five has is that it's a lot of it's a lot of world building and getting you, you know, giving you information about how the area is, and yeah, yeah, five five takes a while to get going. About five hours. Five is the only one that I haven't beaten, and I I need to because it's on our short short list of show ideas. Uh, I need to get on that. Well, we did a, we did a few sweet coding episodes, but yeah, I don't think we well one. I don't think we ever talked about five, and we did. Oh, we did. Yeah, yep. I remember the year that I backtracked through the backtracks of Suikoden's. Yes. Okay, my that bad. That was the same I... episode we talked about tear craze. Yes, it, it was. I want to say you did four, five, and tier crates together. No, no, we did four and tactics together. Then we did five and tier crates, I believe. Okay. I see. I, I just remember pounding them out in like three days, like what, listening to the all the Suikoden's. <laughs> okay, um, never mind. Yeah, one, take two, that one, one, two, and three, one, two, and three went, went together for some reason. Can't imagine why. I think that's Talking because... about they, where we were when. I remember listening to that driving through Georgia. I have, I have a strong feeling that one, two, and three went together because they were all the most direct together ones, as well as the fact those three you could actually transfer data and get different information that end i think what was it the 
the, the original creator of Sweet Code, whose name I'm forgetting right now, he left towards the end of Three's development, and uh, Four Tactics and Five went to di- through different people. And Five was good. It was after you got through that intro. That intro dragged. Yes. But, but it's it a very done, it was good intro. It's important, and yet it probably could have been edited better. Still, it was an improvement over four. Uh, you're giving me flashbacks because I remember getting about halfway through four and then pressing a random button and been on the ship and being like, wait, I could have dashed the whole time in this ship. And I, I was very frustrated by that. I can understand that. I, I don't know. It's been, year, it's been some years now. I don't remember exactly what the hell I was doing in Seacode before, but it wasn't terrible. It, just, it was just kind of bland and blah. It, it was the ship. So, For me, it's the ship. So go back and listen to that backtrack, because that is far more informative than what I can tell you now regarding Seacode 4. But you see, now that we're rebooted, we can start over with one again, with a whole new cast of characters. Can we do a whole episode on one? It's not very big. Eh, whatever. Well, we'll see. It's got 108 characters. You can stretch that out. We, we shall see. Sure. And... Uh, as we know, the characters in Sweet Code 1 were very, very deeply defined. Hmm. Who knows, it could be a tiny cast like uh, last last episode, where I think it was our shortest RPG cast ever. Or, I'm sorry, shortest RPG backtrack ever. Or it could be maybe a three-hour marathon, That's because that's my hard cutoff point. You don't know at this point, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see how it goes. Don't know, it's but, a mystery. Yeah, but speaking of marathons, I think we need to get put bring this marathon to a close because I, I could talk about Dragon Quest Builders one and two all day and just all the little little things that make those games great. But we also know that some of us have to get to bed, and yeah, I'd still be at work. <laughs> so yeah, well, thank you for taking the day off, Robert. I, I do appreciate it, and I because I definitely love getting the perspective of somebody that has a kid that's into this stuff. Yeah, especially I, I, I no, I, I'm just glad I could share it because, um, especially you know, with how my son is being autistic, and you know, there are very few things he really shows interest in, mm-hmm. um, to the extent where I mean, he has learned how to turn on the PS4 just to play Dragon Quest Builders on his own. He's finally figured out how to turn it off appropriately, which is why we had to reinstall stuff, I'm sure, because before he was constantly just unplugging it because it was taking too long. But, I mean, it has helped certain developments in him, and I can, I'm can i very proud that he has shown such an interest. And, I mean, it's been six months. Most of the time, his interest doesn't last that long, or at least six, you know, six seven months, maybe eight. But this really has for him, and it's just... You know, and the level that he keeps developing skills and building things, some of his current stuff has looked really weird. But I, we think, like, he recently built, like, a giant replica of an actual railroad track. Wow. Nice. Yeah, so I'm, you, and it looks, you know, it's the right metals and everything. I mean, he, he really gets into the detail of it, and it's just really awesome to see. I, I, I cannot, you know, gaming so often is played out as this big bad demon, but 
you know, even his teacher, because I share I shared the images of the railroads, um, his uh, roller coasters, as I call them, uh, with his teacher, and she and she was really impressed by him by them. Um, in fact, yeah. um, he had one where he had to build like a sandcastle for a school project. Or like a castle-like thing, and he started building it in Dragon Quest Builders. He didn't finish, but he started to, and and it's just, it has it, that type of an outlet for him because, for a logical mind, being creative is not always easy. But be, having something that allows you to lo- logically be creative is a very rare thing, and you know it could be said Minecraft has the same ability. But for him, it's definitely Dragon Quest Builders. Oh, that, that's cool. I mean, mad, mad props to um, enabling that creativity because some some parents would kind of see it as like, oh, all he's doing is playing my um, Slimecraft. And, and, you know, just kind of stifling that. But you're awesome for encouraging it. I mean, it's again, it's an outlet for him, um, and and he'll go hours just trying to build stuff and destroy stuff. I mean, one day he just built cannons and shot holes into the ground, you know. So, so um, yeah, no, I really just can't speak more about how much Dragon Quest Builders has been such a positive outlet in in our family and for him. Um, you know, some days he gets super frustrated because he can't do what he's doing, you know, he wants to do. But it, it's definitely overall been a very positive experience for us as a family and for him um, to uh, helping him work through some of his uh, issues that come about being autistic. So, I mean, and so it's it's been it's been definitely a blessing. Awesome. Well, thank you for coming on the show to share and thank you mike once again even though i i didn't forget you this time <laughs> um today uh, thanks to anna too who had to bail a little bit early she had to go to sleep and that's fine we appreciate you anna and of course my awesome co-host matt hey who was here for a dragon, dragon quest. quest episode what a, what a shock yeah what a shocker <laughs> We were uh, talking about doing a Slime Time episode about Dragon Quest Nine, and it reminded me of, Mike, I think we did Dragon Quest Nine and Eight together a few years ago, and mm-hmm. I think I turned that into like a four-hour or five-hour episode going we a little did. too deep. And I, we did. That was I a long I don't remember long. Nine taking all that much time. We, we, we had a no, lot to we, say we about spent, Eight. We, we definitely went more Eight-heavy, but I was like, oh, no, I, I can talk about Nine. Yep. But, Which was good, yes. because you heard at the time, my own memories of nine were not that large. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, if if you want to comment about your Dragon Quest Builders memories, or just comment on RPG Backtrack in general, um, you can go to to the show post at rpgamer.com, or you can send us a tweet at rpgamer, or you can check out the RP Gamer community on Facebook, and we also have a link to our Discord on the website too. And I think uh, Mike's going to take us out. Yeah. I, I... I started thinking about this with Dragon Quest Builders. Let's apply this formula to other series. What would Final Fantasy Builders look like? And I know it would probably have to be multiple series. We'd have to have is it going to be Final Fantasy One Builders or Final Fantasy Four Builders or Final Fantasy Six Builders? Blah blah blah. But what about other series? What about say Xenosaga or Xenoblade Builders or even better Disgaea Builders? There's a series that's kind of tailor made for it. There's so much fruitful action here, and Minecraft 
is seemingly very open to just using the concept. So maybe we'll see more of this in the future. Yeah, and I, and I, I mean, Dragon Quest Builders was definitely came off as an experiment. Um, the experiment worked. It worked very well. It, I mean, obviously very profitable. Lots of people love it. So there are people who play it who don't even really game, but they just love it. And and Minecraft is this, you know, you get those games where it's like, you know, people who don't really play video games suddenly see this and they're like, oh, this, you know, this isn't like overly gamey. It looks really casual. It's, um, you know, Animal Crossing kind of does the same sort of thing for some people. It's not, so, you know, these are definitely games the world needs, whether or not, you know, the problem is, is whether or not these publishers and developers see that. And that is my one true uh, regret is possibly, uh, um, you know, that as as we discussed, the one of the lead guys behind Dragon Quest Builders left. And I know it's now in the hands of one of the other development teams. I don't know which one offhand. But, um, you know, I would love to see a Dragon Quest Builders 3 based off the lore of Dragon Warriors 3. I would I would love to see that. I would, too. We don't have to wait that long. Get Erdrick in there. <laughs> anyway, I think, that, I think that's a wrap. I'll talk Dragon Quest all day with anyone.